Hi, this is What You Say in English, Season 3, Episode 9. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the last episode of the year 2022 of What You Say in English, the podcast in which I listen to you and give you my professional feedback. Before I get down to business with today's episode, I would like to mention two things. The first one is a message that I got from Adriana, and she is listening from Brazil. She's also explaining that she's dealing with her own preparation. I think it's very brave. I think that at C2, because she said that she was preparing for the C2, I think it's absolutely incredible that people can prepare for their exams um, on their own. And I hope you can get everything that you need for your preparation with me in my podcast. But let's take a listen to the message. Hello, my name is Adriana. I am from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Well, I've been trying to prepare myself for the CP exam lately. And I just have just got to know your podcast. The, the, the content is really amazing. And it's, I, I think it's going to help me so much. Um, I'm trying to do it. So thank you. I am also looking forward to having an experience abroad. So there are many, many dreams and goals I have which demand fluency in English and I'm working really hard to get it. So thank you so much. Bye. Adriana, it makes me really happy that you found my podcast and you that you find it useful. I really hope that my advice... Uh, there's a lot of material that you need to to listen to to get updated, but um, it's it's incredible that you sent me this message. Unfortunately, the anchor platform will eliminate because I it's a, a message that I got from Anchor that the platform to send messages, voice messages, will not be available. I think as of next year. And it's, it's pretty sad because people used to send me messages, voice messages, using that platform. But remember that my email, my contact email is podcast at languageteaching.es. And this is also for you, Adriana. If you need a little bit of help with any kind of guidance, whatever I can do for you, let me know and I will gladly help you out. The second piece of information is that Elisa Pagnocelli, another a student from Ben Gill's TTP Academy. Uh, she used to, um, I used to give her feedback on writing skills. And also she attended many of the workshops that I did with Ben Gill. Has passed the advanced exam. She got an incredible mark. She actually got proficiency mark in use of English. She was not very happy with the writing mark, but that's okay. Overall, the mark was at pass to pass B, pass at grade B in advanced. She is elated. She is feeling like on top of the world right now, and with good reason because she is happy that she achieved this. This is a milestone in her preparation. And Elisa, this is only the beginning. Remember that you can still go forward. You can still prepare, you know, think about the proficiency and going beyond. 
I think this is a great opportunity. And thank you so much for being part of the podcast, being part of Ben's DTP Academy. And we should get together one day. And, you know, my invitation is open. So you can come and speak in my podcast and, you know, tell people how you got that incredible pass in advanced. Congratulations. And remember that we're all here for you. Okay, so let's get down to business. As I promised last week, I wanted to do the last episode of the year as an IELTS special episode. I'm going to retake a little bit of what I have explained before. I will go back to the speaking of the IELTS and explain what it is, how many parts, what you have to do, give you some tips and analyze a recording, an official recording from the IELTS website. This is basically public information. The only difference is that the transcript that I will be providing for today's episode, I will give my comments on it. So to give you a quick look at the IELTS speaking test, remember that the duration of the exam is 11 to 14 minutes. The speaking test will assess your use of spoken English. The test will last between, as I said, 11 and 14 minutes, where you will discuss a variety of topics with an IELTS examiner. Your test will take place in a quiet room with an examiner who will encourage you to keep speaking. Unlike other tests in which you basically record your voice and another person at another place will listen to that recording, which is the case of the TOEFL exam, an IELTS examiner will be able to make you feel relaxed and confident. This is also true about Cambridge exams. You have two examiners and two candidates, so it should, in a way, make you feel more comfortable. The IELTS examiners are also able to understand your accent to ensure that you get the best possible score. There are three parts to the speaking test. In part one, the examiner will ask you general questions about yourself and a range of familiar topics such as home, family, work, studies, and personal interests. This part lasts between four and five minutes. In part two, you will be given a task card and the examiner will ask you about a topic and you will have one minute to prepare before speaking for up to two minutes. The examiner will then ask you one or two questions on the same topic to finish this part of the test. And in the last part, in part three, you will be asked further questions connected to the topic in part two. These questions will allow you to discuss more abstract ideas and issues. This part of the test lasts between four and five minutes. So remember to stick around by the end of the episode. I will also be talking about very interesting statistics related to the IELTS exam when it comes to native speakers taking the IELTS. Believe it or not, native speakers also have to take the IELTS. So in part one, the introduction and questions on familiar topics takes for, you know, four to five minutes. Part one of the test will start with the examiner asking you to state your name and show your identification. Next, you will be asked general questions about yourself, such as where you live and what you are currently doing, either working or studying. You will then be asked some questions about a range of familiar topics, for example, about the music you like, cooking, the weather, or movies you prefer. You will generally be asked about one or two topics. I don't think that 
you will be asked about more than two topics. The examiner will ask scripted questions and, and will listen to your answer, prompting you to extend your response with a why or why not if your answer is too short. You have to be careful with that because the mark will be affected in terms of discourse and extension because if you don't really extend your answer, then you will get the typical... It, it works as well for the Cambridge exams, and we put it down to interactive communication in this case. This part of the test follows a question-answer format focusing on your ability to communicate opinions and information on everyday topics by answering a range of questions. Now, we're going to listen to a sample task. It's an official recording. It is not the full test, but at least you will get a very good idea. I got it from the public website in the IELTS exams uh, website, and let's have a listen to it. Now, in this first part, I'd like to ask you some more questions about yourself. Okay. Let's talk about your hometown or village. What kind of place is it? It's quite a small village, about 20 kilometers from Zurich, and it's very quiet, and we have only little, two little shops, because most of the people work in Zurich okay. or are orientated to this. What's the most interesting part of uh, this place, the uh, village? On the top of a hill, we have a little castle, mm -hmm. which is very old and quite well known in Switzerland. What kind of jobs do people in the, in the village do? We have some farmers in the village, as well as people who work in Zurich as bankers or journalists, or there are also teachers and some doctors, some medicines. Right. Would you say it's a good place to live? Yes, although it is very quiet, it is people are friendly, mm -hmm. and I would say it's a good place to live there, yes. Let's move on to talk about accommodation. Uh, tell me about the kind of accommodation you live in. In this case, the candidate only provided three answers. The examiner only asked three questions. But it's incredible how much information you can get from this short clip. Let's begin with the first criterion, fluency and coherence. I would place this candidate between a 6 and a 7, more a 6 than a 7. He is willing to speak at length, though he loses coherence at times. Well, not coherence. Basically, he doesn't extend too much. Sometimes there is a mismatch between how he begins the answer and how he finishes the answer. Let's take a listen to this. It's quite a small village, about 20 kilometers from Zurich. And it's very quiet, and we have only little, two little shops, because most of the people work in Zurich or are orientated to this. He was asked to describe the village, and he started off really well. He talked about that it was a small village, 20 kilometers, kilometers, it's a British pronunciation, uh, 20 kilometers from Zurich, and it's very quiet. And then he changes a little bit. I mean, he goes into saying that there are only two little shops. But then he, the reason he gives for this is that 
that people work in Zurich and I mean, either people work in Zurich or are orientated to the city. And it's I think it's a little bit of a mismatch. Uh, he doesn't the idea doesn't flow coherently. I think he should have stayed and talk talk about the city in itself. The idea of people working in Zurich or people being orientated, I mean, in American English, we would say oriented, but in, in British English is orientated to the city. I think it's a little bit of a deviation from the original idea. He's not really answering the question or the supporting idea doesn't make much sense to how the beginning is. So basically, if you look at the criterion again, you would see that at number six, band six, is is willing to speak at length, though he may lose coherence at times due to, to occasional. Well, it's not repetition, self-correction, or hesitation. In this case, it's just content. Doesn't make much sense. Um, I would say that in terms of lexical resource, is fine. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of an inappropriacy, for example, when you say uh, people oriented to the city. It it's probably not a. It sounds like an awkward collocation in this case. So in lexical resource, he would be more of a six than a seven again. Uh, he has some things about seven, but if you look at number seven, lexical resource, he uses he's not using less common or idiomatic vocabulary. In this case, there are multiple chances in which you can really exploit uh, everything you know about English. And you don't have to come up with, you know, phrasal verbs or let's say idioms or more idiomatic expressions but there are many ways in which you can improve this and that's the whole point using as much vocabulary as possible to really so he's not really trying hard he's making also quite a few pauses i think he's being over uh, conscious about his production and he doesn't want to make you know many mistakes it's understandable but Making too many stops will definitely lower your band score. In terms of grammatical range and accuracy, it's just okay. I mean, there's nothing really salient here to say that he's, oh, he's doing this. As opposed to, for example, the last question that would place him in probably a seven when he says this. Take a listen. Yes, although it is very quiet, it is people are friendly mm -hmm. and... I would say it's a good place to live there, yes. I believe that this answer is very appropriate to the question. The question was if it's if it was a good place to live, the village was a good place to live. And he used a concession clause, which is, although it is very quiet, but still the idea was not continued. He, he said, although it is very quiet, it is, mm, stop, people are friendly, and I would say it is a good place to live there, yes. So it's okay. It's, he's attempting at more complex structures. And of course, this would place him in a seven, a band seven, which is, remember that it's equivalent to advanced. And it's good for him. I think this is what you should be producing more. Remember that part one, you're tested on quite a few things. And of course, the whole production. But the way you manage tenses and the way you combine clauses is always very important to do it because examiners will be paying attention to that. However, in terms of vocabulary, he has to be more careful because there were two instances in which he showed some characteristics at band five. 
And of course, generally, he used good vocabulary, but he said when he talked about in the first question, if you go back and he talked about describing the village, he said there are too little, a little castle. We don't usually say little castle, we say small because we're talking about size. Remember that little, we don't use little to talk about size. And when he talked about the occupations, the professions people had, he said, and I quote, because I'm going to read it. I have the, by the way, the transcript is going to be available in the episode description, the transcript and the comments that I have on everything. Okay. So when he was asked about the occupations, he talked about, the question was, what kind of jobs do people in the village do? And he used good vocabulary. He said bankers, journalists, there are also some teachers and some doctors. And then he said some medicines. Medicines is is not an occupation, obviously. So he's got to be careful with this because these two things might probably drop the, the mark. Unless he performs better, he can probably go up to a six maybe a 6.5 if he doesn't improve his vocabulary range. I know that the questions are simple, but still, that's no excuse to really showcase a wider range of words and, and expressions. Lastly, in terms of pronunciation, there's nothing really remarkable about him in terms of pronunciation. I'm not going to talk about his accent because the accent will be a problem only if it creates a hindrance in your communication. But overall, his intonation is very flat. And this is something that will affect your score. You have to modulate your voice and try to go up and down. Remember that English is a very musical language. We It's a stressed, timed language. So we basically work on stress. If your language is more syllable-timed, the difference between syllable-timed and stress-timed is like you base your intonation in terms of syllable or if you base it in terms of stress because words have a prominent stress. English is a stressed-timed language and a stress-timed language, sorry. And of course, you have to go with it. And if you really want to get a really high mark in pronunciation, you have to showcase that. You have to be able to use that intonation effectively especially if you want to enhance meaning and convey emotions. I know this is what it is, and that's probably something that exams should also take into consideration, but this is what it is, people. I'm so sorry that it has to be like that. In, in the Cambridge exams, it's pretty much the same. You have to use intonation effectively, basically to enhance meaning. It's part of the criteria it's, it's if you read the descriptors, you will see that intonation is also an, a very important element to this. Stay tuned because in the following part, I will talk about the second part of the exam. After part one, the examiner will give you a topic and will ask you to talk about it for one to two minutes. The topic will be handed to you on a card and you will also be given a piece of paper and a pencil for making notes. On the card, you will see the speaking prompt and some points you can cover in your talk relating to this. You will have exactly one minute to prepare and make notes before you speak. The examiner 
will use a timer and will tell you when your time is up. The examiner will tell you when you start to talk and will remind you that they will stop you after two minutes. The points on the task card will help you to think about what to say and you should try to keep talking for the full two minutes. They may ask you as well a question, sometimes a question or two questions, about what you have said before going on to the next section. In this part of the speaking, the test will assess your ability to speak at length on a particular topic using appropriate language and organizing your ideas in a logical way. Keep this in mind because it's very important. You can use your own experience on the topic to help you complete the long term. And this is something that a lot of people don't actually use, which is talking, including everything from personal experience. So I think it's a good way to really showcase how much you know about English. Now we're going to have a go at this sample task with another recording from the official IELTS website. Let's take a listen. All right. Yes. Remember, you have one to two minutes for this, so don't worry if I stop you. I'll tell you when the time is up. Can you start speaking now, please? Yes. One of, my, of the most important things I have is my piano, because I like playing the piano. I got it from my parents to my 12th uh, birthday, so I have it for about nine years. And the reason why it is so important for me is that I can go into another world when I'm playing piano. I can mm. forget what's around me and what I can forget my problems. And this is sometimes quite good for a few minutes or I can play to relax or just Yes, too. Um, to relax and to think of something completely different. Mm. Thank mm. you. W would it be easy to replace this, this piano? Yes, I think it wouldn't be that a big problem. But um, I like my piano <laughs> as it is because I I have it from my parents. It's some kind of unique for me. It is interesting to see, for example, how candidates usually start off well, but as the exam progresses, it is interesting to see how some students really excel and others just need a little help. In the second part, you can hear, for example, how much help he needs to construct even basic sentences. There is cohesion, there is some overall coherence, but if you look at it sentence by sentence, you know, the, all the different things that he mentioned, there is a lot of hesitation. Unfortunately, when you hesitate and there are like these blank spaces between one thing and another thing you say, unfortunately, you will not, you cannot expect to get more than a six in coherence and fluency because 
this is what it is. The people from IELTS and examiners take hesitations very seriously. If you really want to get a seven, more than a seven, I would say an eight, and let's not speak about getting a nine, you have to be, you have to sound confident when you speak. You have to really nail down. And you, when you make pauses, basically it's because of content, you, things to say. You're, it's not because you're looking for words or you're basically repeat. And he repeats. You can see that, uh, for, let's take a listen to this, this first part. I mean, right in the beginning, he repeated the word piano. I think this is a lack of flexibility when it comes to, you know, extending and using a wide range of vocabulary. Of course, in terms of lexical resource, again, he's between a five and a six. Take a listen. One of my, of the most important things I have is my piano, because I like playing the piano. He repeated the word piano again. Instead of saying something like, one of the most important things is my piano because I love playing it. Just using a simple pronoun and you would avoid the repetition of the word piano. Also, the intonation went up. So in terms of pronunciation, this is not really appropriate because we say, because I, li I like playing the piano. Don't go up. I mean, you're finishing a sentence and if you go up, it sounds more like a question. I understand that a lot of native speakers um, use this up talking and it's cool. I mean, it's fun. And I've heard, I mean, when you watch films and you see the actors using this intonation going up all the time, but avoid it in exams. This is not appropriate for exams. So make sure that you, your intonation goes down when the sentence go, goes down. This is, you will not, listen people, you will not get more than a six in pronunciation because you're not using pronunciation features effectively. And one of the features is intonation, whether it is like rising intonation or falling intonation. So make sure that you sound positive, you sound, you know, optimistic, and you don't repeat words. Now pay attention to the following line in which he loses control, grammatical control. He misuses prepositions, does not use the ordinal number when talking about dates. And finally, he makes a mistake with the present perfect. He should be using the present perfect when talking about personal experiences. Listen. I got it from my parents to my, well, birthday. So I have it for about nine years. He should have said, I got it from my parents for my 12th, 12th birthday. So I've had it for about nine years. In just one sentence, he packed several mistakes. And of course, I mean, he can communicate. He's understandable. But the rubrics, the descriptors in the speaking criteria are very clear. And of course, he would not get more than a 6.5 in this case, especially with the present perfect, the problem with the present perfect, because, you know, it's it's basically the beginning, the first level in which uh, a speaker of English or English learner becomes independent. And having this problem, of course, will not let him advance more than a 6.5. The rest of the answer is just fine. I mean, it makes sense. He talks about the importance, why it is important for him 
to play the piano. He says he forgets what's around him and he can forget his problems. And the answer seems to flow. But the problem is, again, he makes very, very long pauses. And this definitely affects his... I mean, the, the problem with hesitation will affect his fluency, his overall fluency. And I'm telling you, this is basically a 5.5. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much he wanted to get in IELTS, but definitely he's... Between a five and a six, maybe some half band scores like 5.5 or 6.5, but I wouldn't dare to say that he would get more than a seven. When he gives his answer to the following question, you know, the follow up question that the examiner will ask him uh, is he, the question is, would it be easy to replace this piano? He again made some mistakes. Take a listen. Yes, I think it wouldn't be that easy. A big problem, but um, I like my piano <laughs> as it is because I I have it from my parents. It's some kind of unique for me. Let me rephrase it because I think it was not very intelligible. In terms of pronunciation, he needs more clarity, more in pronunciation of individual sounds and, and more basic structures basic features of pronunciation. He said, yes, I think it wouldn't be that big problem, but I like my piano as it is because I have it from my parents. It's some kind of unique for me. So you can compare. Of course, I mean, I'm not comparing his pronunciation with my pronunciation, but um, what I'm saying is that obviously he had problems with clarity. Pronunciation was probably not more than a four- 4.5 in this particular sentence. Remember that you can have mixed control. You can be, you can sound more confident in some sentences and not so confident in other sentences. And this is the thing about judging an overall score when it comes to, let's say, pronunciation. I mean, there, there will be a few words that you know how to pronounce, other words that you have difficulty with, and this is what the examiner has to judge. They have to balance things and then Uh, for, for a moment, you know, you, you can get like something really, really well done, but that doesn't mean that it, that's overall in, you know, the whole performance in the exam. And of course, he hesitated a, lo a lot. The two mistakes that I found were, uh, I've, I have it, he said, because I have it from my parents. Um, he shouldn't say that. It's of course, in this case, he should have said something like, I, I got it from my parents. And it's a special thing for me, not some kind of unique. I mean, the word unique is okay, but he should have he should have said something more with more clarity. Now, when it comes to preparing, what can you do to improve in this section of the exam? Of course, it takes in it boils down to practice. You'll never know what the question will be in the exam, but you can actually prepare and you can write down like effective notes. When you have that minute you have to prepare before you start speaking, you have one minute. Write down examples for each bullet point and try to include, for example, personal experiences. Talking about personal experiences will trigger your memory and you will not have to worry about ideas to produce you know the problem when you don't have ideas to produce is that will reduce your fluency your overall fluency and you will 
have more hesitation. So the secret to this is no secret. It's practice. There are many resources online. You can find many part twos available, not only in official books, but also many, many websites in which you can produce something like this. This, this people, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's only practice. The, the only way that you can improve on your fluency, generate ideas, is practice. And record yourself. It, you have no idea how much that will play to your benefit. Record yourself. You can spot problems that you were not aware of when you were producing them, when you were speaking. Sometimes when you listen to the recording again, you will see, you will notice the problems in pronunciation. And it's only you, you nobody else. I, I understand that not, I mean, people don't like to hear themselves talk. I have to because <laughs> I have to produce this podcast, but I honestly don't like my voice very much. I don't like the way it sounds. But that's, you know, another thing. But yeah, record yourself and, and try to over, overcome that fear. Record yourself and you can keep a port, portfolio of how well, how much you have improved. This is This is the best part of recording yourself. So stay tuned in the following part. I will continue with part three of the IELTS speaking exam. Part three of the speaking test is called the two-way discussion. The questions in this part will be connected to the general topic that you spoke about in part two. The questions in this part of the test will be connected to the general topic that you've spoken about in part two. You will discuss the topic in a more general and abstract way, showing the examiner that you are able to express and justify your opinions, analyze, discuss and speculate on the topic in more depth. If your long turn was about a beautiful place to visit in your city, this section might begin by talking about beautiful places and the first question might be something like, do you think it's important to maintain beautiful places and cities? And of course, when you prepare for part two, you can pretty much anticipate the kinds of questions that you will get in part three. The examiner will speak more with you in this section and may ask you to justify your opinions to see how well you are able to communicate about abstract ideas compared to personal topics that you spoke about in parts one and two. In part three, you will be assessed on your ability to express and justify opinions and to analyze, discuss, and speculate about a range of issues connected to the general topic that you spoke about in part two. So again, we have a recording. It's not the full recording, but it will serve to put this, put everything into perspective. So let's take a listen. We've been talking about things we own, and I'd like to discuss with you one or two more general questions relating to this topic. First, uh, let's consider values and the way they can change. In Switzerland, what kind of possessions do you think give status to people? Mm, the first thing which comes in my mind is mm. the car. 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Because lots of people um, like to have posh cars or expensive cars to show their, their status, their place in the, um, in the society. Is that a new development? No, I think, I think it isn't. People have thought like that for yes. quite a long time. Yes. Another thing is probably the clothing. It starts already when you are young. When mm -hmm. the children go to school, they want to have posh labels on their jumpers or good shoes. What do you think of this, this way of thinking, uh, that I need to have a car or certain clothes to show uh, my status? Probably it's sometimes a an, an, uh, replacement for something you don't have. Mm -hmm. So if you, mm -hmm. your wife has left you or your <laughs> girlfriend, you just buy, buy some new, don't know, new watches or new clothes right. to make you satisfied again. You don't think of it as a healthy um, way of thinking? Hmm. It's, it's probably not honest to yourself. You know, right. Kind of mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and do you think this will change? No. In the future, will uh, cars and clothes, designer clothes be uh, status symbols in the same way? I'm sure that clothes will be, that the thing with the clothes will be the same. I'm not so sure with the cars because cars cause, uh, cause lots of environmental problems mm -hmm. and probably in, in some years, few years, this will change because It's not um, reasonable to drive a car anymore. Tell me a little bit more about that. The first question is not sufficiently developed when they talked about the, the topic. He said, the examiner introduced the topic of values and the way they can change. And the candidate's answer was not really well developed. He said, the first thing which comes to mind, which comes in my mind, he said, is the car. Of course, which comes to my mind. He, didn't use the preposition correctly, but he can control, he has some control over complex structures. In this case, it's a relative clause. And it's okay, I mean, but of course, the hesitation really impeded communication to flow in, in a positive way. He used words like posh cars, then he said expensive cars, and, you know, to show their, their status. I normally say status when, I think it's an American thing, when you say status and not status. Uh, status. I think it's a more British pronunciation. But overall, the first question was not sufficiently developed. That's why the examiner asked, is that a new development? And then the candidate also kept it short. And then the examiner asked the following question. People have thought like that for quite a long time. You have to be careful when the examiner, you know, throws these questions at you because he feels or, or she feels that you're not developing enough the topic you have to develop just in a, in a good way, like at length, 
to give like two or three possible ideas so that the examiner can move on to the following question. If you, if you see the examiner kept in the same question and just asking like more follow-up questions so the candidate would develop ideas. And this is serious because if you're aiming at a band 7 or 7.5, you're not going to get there. So you have to avoid this situation in which the examiner is like asking more and more questions about a topic. So you have to worry about that. If you feel that the examiner is like, and da, 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 and da, 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 like following up um, on the same question, you have to start to worry and think about that. Oh, I have to extend a little bit more. Then the conversation continues. And I think the only long answer that the candidate gave was by the end of the recording, when the examiner asked, and do you think this will change in the future? Will cars and designer clothes be a symbol of status, status symbols in this in the same way? And then the candidate gave a, a fuller response. But still, the recording finished when the examiner said, tell me a little more about that. Of course, the recording finished there. But again, in terms of extension, uh, the candidate will not get a really high score, at least not higher than a 6.5. And this was the end of the recording. Of course, the part three will continue. I mean, continues longer. I mean, it takes more time. But something that struck me as fun was that the examiner actually interacts and co-constructs the whole discourse with the candidate. And this is something that you will never get in the Cambridge exams. Uh, Cambridge examiners, speaking examiners, have to follow a script and they cannot deviate from that script. But in that sense, it's different because you have two candidates. I'm talking about the Cambridge exams. There's two candidates, sometimes three, and they can co-construct the discourse between themselves. The examiner only directs the questions, especially I'm talking about part four, in which the examiner says, what do you think and what do you think? So basically, that's the job of the interlocutor in this case. But in the IELTS exam, it's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversation. So the examiner has a little more freedom to include their observations and prompt the candidate to really develop ideas. And this is the thing. You have to be also you have to be careful with that, because when the examiner extends the conversation and asks and probes the candidate to produce more, it's basically because they notice that the candidate is not really developing. And this is a little bit of the problem that the candidate had in this part in part three. Uh, you can notice Again, the level of hesitation, it's way too much. Definitely, the, this will drop the band score tremendously when it comes to uh, fluency and coherence. So my final judgment on this part is that even though that they had fun, there was a moment in which the examiner laughed, <laughs> chuckled at what the candidate said. They had fun. And of course, you can always have fun in this type of exams. You can say things that are funny, and I've been in that situation before. But, of course, I'm so sorry for the candidate. If he was expecting to get a higher score, he will probably get most tops uh, a 6.5. But that's maximum, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm being generous here. 6, 6.5. He can build sentences. He can construct coherent language but overall there's too much hesitation 
There's still a lot of lack of control in grammatical and lexical structures. There's repetition. So in overall, it's a six, six between a six and a six point five. Of course, the examiner will give his score in this case, and you will get your score once you once the results are released to the candidates. So to finish with today's episode, I don't want to go without giving you some advice on how to improve on your IELTS band score. In part one, you will have four to five minutes in, in a conversation with the examiner about yourself. So make sure you get prepared with topics like work, family, home life, and personal interests. In part two of the speaking test, you will you remember you will be giving a card. And the best way here is to time yourself to record yourself and make sure that you extend, you speak at length for the whole two minutes and that you prepare some good ideas, that you write down some good examples and include personal experience. In part three, remember that in the conversation that you have with the IELTS examiner, it's going to be around the topic given in part two and you have to make sure you try to anticipate. Something you can do is using the same topic that you had in part two Try to anticipate questions and see and compare with the questions provided in course books, exam books, or websites that you find. Remember, the first and most important tip here is that you should not memorize answers, especially in part one. Memorized language does not give the examiner an accurate measure of your English language skills. The examiner will be able to tell if you have memorized your answers, which may influence your final band score. Also, don't use big and unfamiliar words. If you don't know how to use them. You may want to impress the examiner with big and complex words in your speaking test, but to be safe, avoid using words you are not familiar with. There is a higher chance of making mistakes by either mispronouncing the words or using them in the wrong context. Mistakes can affect your final band score. Of course, you have to use a range of vocabulary which is relevant to the topic being discussed, but don't try to go overboard and say, hey, I want to impress the examiner using this or that if you're not really sure. Also, you have to make sure that you use a range of grammatical structures. When IELTS examiners assess your speaking skills, they mark you against the following assessment criteria. Try and use a, a range of grammatical structures using complex and simple sentences to express what you want to say. Know your own errors and practice speaking to friends in English. And as I said, record yourself to see if you can spot the errors yourself. If you hear an error, make sure you correct it yourself. You are assessed on your ability to use different grammatical structures accurately, so it's important to practice speaking about the past, the present, and the future using correct tenses. And when it comes to your accent, don't worry too much about it. With a face-to-face -face speaking test, the IELTS examiner understands a wide range of accents. So in English, native speakers have lots of different accents. So the examiner will be able to understand what you say, unlike an AI machine, like you speak to your personal assistant like Siri or when you speak to Google or Alexa or any other assistant that you have. If you can communicate well, then there's nothing to worry about. 
but do be aware of sounds that you have difficulty with and make sure that you use stress and intonation as English is a stress-timed language. Practice with friends and they will tell you if they can understand you or not. In the example that I brought you today, the candidate had problems with hesitation. And of course, you are allowed to pause to think. There is no harm in taking a brief pause to think about what to say. We all do it. To process questions, you can use phrases to give you time to think during the speaking test. What you should not do is make these long pauses that are really awkward, and like these silences. You can use phrases such as, oh, that's an interesting question, or I have never thought about that, but let me see. Oh, that's a good point. That's a difficult question, but I'll try to answer it this way. Well, some people say that this is the case. However, I think, let me think about that for a minute. So these phrases, although they're stock phrases, they will help you make sure that you feel the silences, the awkward silences that affect your continuity, your fluency, and, and then you will not get marked down on hesitation. So you have to speak confidently, but try to avoid using filler words. We generally use filler words when we don't know what to say. However, this shows the examiner that you can't access the appropriate language or ideas, so it's important to avoid them and use phrases like I just gave you. Of course, avoid fillers like like, you know, um, uh. Of course, they're part of everyone's speech. In my case, I'm guilty as charged that I sometimes produce them. But overall, you might feel that there's a continuity in what I say. It's part of normal speaking, but you have to avoid overusing them. You can use them from time to time. How can you spot that when you record yourself? If you record yourself, you can spot these things and make sure that you use other filler words. Of course, this is going to be difficult and it requires practice. Remember that this is basically train braining. You have to train your brain to rewire and start using other expressions. In my case, when I started doing this podcast, I mean, this is my own personal experience. When I started doing this podcast, of course, I was I felt insecure. I did a lot of heavy editing. I was making sure that I was not using these fill words too much. And as these years have passed, I've become more fluent. I've become more confident in what I say and ideas come to my head more quickly. So this can happen to you as well. Another thing that I can tell you is that you should try to extend your answers in full. If you extend the answers, don't wait for the examiner to prompt you with a question. When your answers are short, this shows the examiner that you cannot talk in detail about a topic. If the examiner says why, they are prompting you to give a fuller answer, to give a reason for your answer. So you have to avoid that as much as possible. When you extend, the examiner will feel satisfied and will move on to the following question. It's incredible how much smiling can help your pronunciation. It will help you calm down your nerves, which in turn helps your pronunciation, believe it or not. Make sure to enunciate clearly, opening your mouth wide open so that sounds come out clearly. When we smile, our mouth is bigger and the tone of our voice is more friendly. Using clear intonation and tone will show the examiner that you can use a range of pronunciation features. Also, 
avoid using a monotone intonation. Sometimes when we speak, we produce a flat sound with little variation. This makes it more difficult to express what you say and makes it more difficult for the listener to identify what parts of your message are important. If you put emphasis on certain words and you pause at sections in your speech, uh, you can make your conversation with the IELTS examiner more engaging. When we emphasize certain words, it makes it easier to compare and contrast ideas by stressing keywords. It also increases the flow of the conversation. To give you a final tip, I can tell you that in part two of, this, of the IELTS speaking test, you're required to speak on a given topic for about two minutes, and this will anticipate the topic for part three. How can you prepare for this? Basically, you have to read a lot. The common topics that you can practice or you can read about that will help you in the speaking test will include things like tourism and travel, education, transport, environment, family life, sports and recreation, crime and punishment. This usually comes up a lot, the internet, advertising, and retail in general. And if you practice with these topics and you find a speaking partner, a speaking buddy to talk about these topics, this will be fantastic. Remember what I told you about, I think it was in season one, I spoke about Masters of English, uh, Maofen. It's a great Facebook group. If you're into Facebook, you can find this group. Gabriel is the person in charge, and he does an, an incredible job getting people to participate in the different activities. You will get kicked out of the group if you don't participate. He usually he usually runs like a check and, and see how much people have participated. So if you don't take part in any of the activities, you will get kicked out. And also Ben's DTP Academy. And right now he's not offering the workshops as he used to because I used to give the workshops as well. But now the, the Telegram group that he's got, there's a lot of interesting, incredible people. And some of them are preparing for the IELTS, I know for sure. And yeah, this is basically what you can do. I mean, of course, I can give you all the tips, but the final work must be done by you. And this is the end of today's episode. I will speak about the reception that my podcast has had in India. This has been the biggest surprise for me now that the, we're approaching the end of the year. Just to give you a little heads up, I am in the top 50, I think, podcasts in the country. This is a shocker for me. But I will speak about it when we come after the, the holidays, when we start the podcast next year. So I usually say until next week, but this time I will say until next year. Bye-bye. <laughs>